features interviews and discussions on all issues relating to high quality in the early years in school aged care sector. In our episodes, we've a range of speakers who are leaders in the areas that matter to Early Childhood Ireland members. This podcast series is proudly supported by Aricus Insurance, which offers a comprehensive range of cover at discounted premiums for both business and personal insurance products. So visit www.aricus.ie for more information. I'm Maura Corbett and I work with Early Childhood Ireland. So if you've been listening to the previous episodes in this series, you'll know that we're delving into adventurous play for this series. Uh, Scary funny, as Professor Ellen Sansetter puts it. I think many of us remember that sensation from play when we were children, giggling kind of nervously at situations that were both thrilling and challenging. So what we're doing in these episodes is exploring, I suppose, the why and the how why we should embrace risky or adventurous play and how we can do that. And we're kind of looking at two specific examples that of real tools and fire. So in the first episode, Chloe Keegan talked about why it's important that children can explore risk and experience the challenge of adventurous play. In the second episode, Nikki Buchan expanded more on this topic and shared her experience of introducing children to real tools and fire. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Darina Nivari, a member of Early Childhood Ireland from Wexford. So you're really welcome, Darina. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. You're Margaret Moore, and thank you so much for having me on. So Darina is the owner-manager of Nianra Nishield Oga in Gorey County, Wexford. She opened the service last year and has 14 years experience in the sector working with all age groups. She completed her degree at night from 2012 to 2015, and she's passionate about providing high quality early years and school age care through the medium of Gaelga to light the grove the Tianga in those who attend the service. So encouraging children to learn to love the Irish, the Irish language uh, through their play. So diversity and inclusion are core values of her setting, and they adapt the environment and approach to meet children where they're at. Serena strongly advocates for outdoor play as she believes the outdoor environment is of equal importance to the indoor one. One of the main aims she has in her setting is to ensure that all educators there feel valued and respected for the professionals they are, for the important and hard work they do. And she's working really hard to achieve this environment. And last year, Darina wrote a Schelte blog for Early Childhood Ireland about her experiences of introducing real tools. So it's great to have a first-hand experience to discuss in the Irish context. So, Darina, I suppose before we get into your experience with real tools and and so on, can you tell us a little bit about your your setting, uh, where where you're located, the age range, type of setting, and so on? Yeah. So, um, the setting is in Gorey in the Gale School here in Gorey Gale School, Machilog. And uh, I set it up last September. We moved to Wexford uh, in July 21. I started going to a parent toddler group. I was looking for a Nina for my own uh, child when she was due to start in 23 and found out there was none. So um, there was a Nina, two other Nina's in the whole of Wexford, but they were quite, they weren't um, location wise, weren't ideal. So I uh, contacted the school and they welcomed me with open arms and uh, were delighted for me to set one an up. So that's what I did. Um, 
uh, I got pregnant in the meantime of doing that. So uh, I went, we opened up six weeks uh, after I gave birth to my second child. Uh, but um, thankfully, we were just sessional at the time. So it was just three hours I had to leave her. Um, but yeah, so we opened our doors in September 22. Uh, we had seven when we opened our doors. And um, by the December, that was nine. And then come the January, we got another uh, one so we had 10 finishing the year and this year we had six well 18 enrollments but two unfortunately couldn't come so we had 16 we've 16 this year and uh, we've already enrolled 16 for next year so we're hoping to meet the go to the full 22 next year and is it when you say um when you went back with a tiny baby the joys of being self-employed you said you were thankfully just sessional at the time do you now provide school age care or to say no, not two sessions. So we're part time. Uh, so we do. We also have a club breakfast. So that is for either the children in the NINRA or the girls school. And then we do the NINRA and then we have started a club uh, club spree. So that's an hour and a half after the NINRA up till two. And then we have just in January there uh, started an after school, a or school the, for the girls school as well. So we've gone from sessional to open to from eight to half five. Okay. So a busy, busy day. Busy, busy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, real tools, Darina, Um, what's your experience of using real? Well, I suppose what sparked your interest first? Where did that interest come from? Uh, So we had, we did a bit on, um, forest schools when I was doing my degree and I had a great interest in it um, and I'd always loved the outdoors and always in my practice always felt everything was easier outdoors and I couldn't put my finger on why so then when I was doing my degree and I started exploring it and I, I learned there's never behavioral issues outside <laughs> there's like the children who need to run can run children who need to jump can jump uh, children who engage need to engage in small world play can do that outside. Every child is, um, I suppose, able to play the way they need to play outside. So we turned our service, um, the previous service I was managing, into an open door service. So that meant the children could go in and out as they wish. So we had an educator based outside and education based in. So they just chose when they wanted to go out and in. And uh, then we started like testing things like not telling them that they had to put on their rec gear and just trying to make them just make those decisions themselves. And if they thought it was the right decision to put it on and we started exploring that and seeing how that worked. And we decided that really didn't work in terms of bringing parents with us into getting involved in the outdoors as much as we wanted to be involved in it. Um, So and then um, there was a section one night about tools and fire and introducing them into your service so I got an old um school bench uh chained some tools onto them so they couldn't move from that area and I put some nails in it and some screws and um, we started with a hammer and a screwdriver and we stood over it and we allowed the children to come use it but we stood over them and we were overly supervising the area so there was no joy from the children in it. They quickly lost interest in it. 
So when I was, um, I did the course with Early Childhood Ireland and Nikki over the summer and it sparked my interest back into tools and fire and um, I decided to reintroduce them into the service again. Um, now I had done a little bit last year because there was, um, the children were really interested in construction. So we'd done a theme all around construction and it brought in the real tools for them to use but now this year we've brought them in and there we've gone through the safety measures with the children and we don't overly supervise them anymore we allow them to do it we've added junior hacksaws due to nikki's reckon um recommendation we've another delivery arriving now hopefully tomorrow with some new tools in it as well and some rope and um yeah so i suppose at first it started from an interest in school or in college but i was it was overly supervised I was too nervous um and then insurance did change in the country so I had moved um to work for another setting a private setting and it was too um risk focused rather than experience focused so there was no way we were allowed to do any of those things so I'd um kind of yeah the the course over the summer really sparked my interest back in it again I suppose that bit, though, of overly supervising is probably a natural part of introducing something that is potentially seen as as very dangerous. I mean, Nikki was very clear when I spoke to her last week about, you know, how few injuries she has. But I think there's probably that stage that you have to go through that you're literally going to stand over them to make sure that nobody gets hurt and that bit by bit you kind of back off from from that because you realize that the children maybe even recognize how important this is they're so focused and 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 careful about it because they know they're real tools yeah i think but the over supervising i think um takes away from the fact that you're you're treating the children like competent learners mm. um, and they and you remove that benefit from the tools when you're standing over them you know, uh, what we did do this year, because one of um, my colleague was a bit hesitant, she'd never use tools or fire. So what we had agreed is that we wouldn't introduce them in the first month, that we would really get to know the children. Uh, and then we kind of knew who needed a little bit more supervision and who didn't when they were using the tools. And then when we introduced the tools, we introduced them in small groups. So groups of three were called over. We showed them how to use them. We spoke about the dangers of them. But as Nikki said, and it's very true, a child would have to be left unsupervised with a hacksaw for for four or five hours to do any major damage to themselves, you know. Um, And uh, children really think a lot of themselves as they should. So like if they do injure themselves, they'll tell you or they'll learn from that themselves. Um. And we have had, touch wood, zero injuries from any of the tools that we have introduced. Yeah, it, it really does come back to the trust, doesn't it? It's, it's really believing. And I suppose we have to challenge ourselves in that, that we, we can say that children uh, are confident and competent. It challenges us when we have to demonstrate that belief, I suppose. Um, so with, with parents, I mean... You, you've spoken about how you actually introduce the, the children to, to the tools that initially you over-supervised and changed the tools to the, the bench and you, you're you using hammers and junior hacksaws and rope. How do you and, use rope, Darina? 
So well, I said we have a new order coming with rope, but we I've used rope in uh, previous service. Um, so you just leave the rope there. So if they want to cut a piece, they cut a piece. If they want to tie it from things, I've had children make swings from it, stridle over the branch. Um, we have we would have loose tires. So they've seen things like that in services that so they might ask you for a bit of help to tie the tire onto it. Um, they've made pirate shifts from them. You know, they just their imagination goes um, go it goes wild when they have access to these things. Uh, so we don't have many set things in our garden. We have a, a mud kitchen and then we have tires um, and we have a place for sand and then we have a water butt. And then other than that, anything we bring in is uh, tends to be like not typical things you would buy in a, a, a shop aimed at a preschool or a parents. So like, you know, we have what we use for them to transport water. They use a lot of the plant pots that we had around that they've decided they've dug all the mud out of them now and they've put that into the mud kitchen. So now they're using the plant pots or Actually, what we got is a load of the old um, coffee cup, um, like the steel coffee cups from someone donated a load of them. So they use that. It's lovely to hear about those uh, loose parts and that kind of open other type of materials that make it clearly a very um, rich environment. You were talking about rope initially and how, um, you know, what, what the children use rope for. And is it um, fairly, I suppose, chunky rope then that's maybe, is it more difficult for children to tie knots with that they need adult help to make a knot firm no, enough for a swing? They, they wouldn't need adult help to make a knot, but they might need adult help to tie a tire onto it. Very much what we try and do is give them the tools that they can use themselves. Um, I very much see and my myself and our the other educators that work here as facilitators so we facilitate what the children want to learn and need to learn and we only get involved if they want us to get involved and i suppose that brings me to to one of the things i wanted to to you mentioned it in uh in the blog that you wrote uh last year about the process and nikki referred to it as well of a benefit risk assessment. And I, I like that term. I like that document that Nikki uh, sent us that we we shared last week. And for you, it sounded like that was a little bit of a, a catalyst for change. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and how it helped to influence your thinking? It doesn't sound like it changed it much because you you had the love, the grow for the outdoors and uh, nature pedagogy and, and risk all the time. but the idea of rather than doing a risk assessment, doing a benefit risk assessment, it sounds a bit of a game changer. It was. And I found it great, actually, because um, my colleague is our health and safety officer and she was a bit hesitant because she never learned it. So she actually did the benefit risk assessment so that she could see all the risks and where the risks were. But ultimately, what, she, what outweighed all those risks and what was very clear was all the benefits to why we were doing it and the benefits are seen quite immediately like children who are very busy who need things um yesterday um spend hours like just with a hacksaw on a stick just going up and down up and down just chop a bit off and the concentration they gain from that and the 
then like we had a fire then uh, during the fr- the last frost, the children were all complaining that their hands were cold. So we lit a fire uh, for them. And then the next day we went and we used the sticks to draw with and children who had no interest in any pre-writing or colouring or anything before now uh, have gained such interest in pre-writing skills now and are trying to recreate the charcoal uh, all the time. So they were asking me yesterday, so I've promised them to, uh, tomorrow we'll do a fire. They were begging me yesterday for a fire. Uh, so I bought the um, the steel flint. So the first fire I did, I wanted to make sure that, that it worked. So we went to old school and we did a lighter and fire lighters and kindling. But um, we've bought the steel flint now. So we're going to show them how we make the fire and they're going to gather the sticks from the garden. And we're going to talk about the dry and the wet sticks and what will light and what won't light. And we'll experience all of that together. I, I think starting with the benefits, you know, if you strongly believe in anything, you'll find a way to do it. But if you're only looking for the dangers, you can kind of get a bit stuck. And that's why I, I really liked that term of putting the benefit first and the risk second. So it's important, of course, to look at the risks. But by seeing the benefit in it, it helps you find ways around around the risks. And I love that description of the, the, the concentration that children develop, uh, uh, whereas they can lose it so easily with just placing pieces into a jigsaw tray that doesn't uh, capture their imagination or our interests at all. Even the relationship, I find our, the relationship with children is better because they know that we value their and um, trust them as competent learners. So they feel confident in asking us for certain things or wanting to go a different way. Um, so like I feel even our relationship with the children benefits from allowing them access to these things that they find so fascinating and they have access anyway so why not teach them how to be safe with them and nikki mentioned it and when i was doing a bit of research during the week as well on fire in particular and when you you know when you google children experiencing fires so many of those are tragic accidents from, like Nikki described, children experimenting with fire underground, so to speak. So, you know, kind of maybe in secret or under a bed or in a cupboard under the stairs, and then it gets out of control and they get afraid and they hide from it and it can have tragic consequences. Whereas it seems so much more appropriate and safer, ultimately, to give children the experience of being involved with fire in that very controlled environment where they can learn that it's hot, they can learn about the consequences of it, and they can learn what to do and how to how to manage it. So again, that's where the, the benefit-risk analysis kind of comes into it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And also, like, we do fire drills every month. Mm. So, um, But we often do them without any context, and the children actually have no idea what you're doing. So but like when we were doing the fire, we spoke about those fire drills and we did our, our fire drill the first the day after our first fire that we made. So we put all those things together uh, for the children. And look, they also know how to put out a fire safely. Um, um, but they know to stay back mainly you know we draw a circle around the um around our fire pit and then we have logs on the outside of that circle so they all know 
Neil Cather's Jack Secure. They know those rules. Um, like we will expand into them being able to cook over the fire, but with longer sticks first that hold stuff over the fire. So we will expand into it, but they 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 all understand the safety around it. I think linking it to to the fire drill contextualizes it and and you know shows that the the, the fire drill is a very practical, necessary activity. Um rather than just a random thing that happens once a month. That sounds like a really, really good idea. You mentioned about the relationships, and I suppose that takes me, and and you've touched on bits of it already, but I'd like to ask you specifically about apprehensions from staff and maybe particular parents, and maybe in your case, when you're in a school, the you know, the broader school community, how have you countered any of the fears or apprehensions uh, that people, other stakeholders might have had about real tools and, and fire? So I had a, an amazing lecturer um, during my degree who um, basically kept telling us that we were the professionals and we it was our setting. Now, it was mainly in, re- in relation to how to manage like outside inspections and stuff. But she really drilled into us that we are the professionals. And once we know why we're doing what we're doing and we can stand over it, that we shouldn't, um, I suppose, feel, I, I suppose that we shouldn't be confident in what we're doing. So I have a parent's book uh, in the parents' book, it's very clear. It states that we use tools and fire and other elements as we feel uh, fit based on the interests of the children. Um, it has a line in it, about four or five lines in, that says that uh, parents can complain to us if children go home clean, but we do not accept any complaints if children go home dirty. Uh, we make it very clear it's not a fashion show. Every child get, brings in um, wet gear and wellies at the beginning of the year. They're all hung out outside of the classroom, so parents know where they are. They see how dirty they get. Uh, we were really lucky to get given our own section uh, our own garden there was a little section in front of our uh, door from the school so we are completely separate from the yard so that kind of eliminates the um i suppose the school having any concern um because they're the children in the school have no access to our yard um so we're looking in that aspect so with parents we've had no apprehension i have to be fair um parents are I feel trust in what we do. They feel like their children are attending a service that's really high quality. We have a WhatsApp group uh, with our parents. So we communicate with them on a really regular basis about what we're doing in the NEMA. We have with tools because maybe it was slightly different and we had added some uh, new tools to the situation. What we did is we took pictures of the children using the tools. We stuck it up uh, on our Ashton board and it has in Guelga and Berla. The, why we use tools and it goes through all the different benefits of tools so that's out there for parents to use but that was post us using them and um, the same thing with the fire it was just that started from the children saying their hands were cold so like it says it in our book but other like we we genuinely we're really confident in what we provide here and um, my own daughter comes here so um yeah, we, we have a really great group of parents who are really like the only reaction we got to the fire thing was how cool it was and how great it was that they were able to use the sticks to draw the next day and how they were so interested in talking about it going home. So we've only ever had positive reactions. That sounds amazing. 
so it's it's great to have that kind of reaction and rapport and relationship. And uh, I love the line about uh, they can complain if the children go home clean, but not dirty. I think that concentrates, you know, and really shows that that you mean it about them getting getting dirty. And have you plans for expanding? Um, Adventurous play. Have you future plans? Uh, I'd love a big forest <laughs> to go in. <laughs> There's none around here, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no, in terms of the adventurous play, so we've our new stuff arriving tomorrow. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and we've actually ordered a tool box. So that's now going to just live outside. So it's not a case of bringing it in and out so that children will have access to that. Um, we plan on expanding our fire use and definitely doing some cooking on it and before the end of the summer we had nothing for height so they do climb some of the trees in the service but they're they're quite low trees they're not very high so um i've ordered a 10 foot slide uh, so that will add some height to it um because i've already got speed out there um so yeah we're just kind of working on the garden uh anything we do tend to invest tends to be for the garden i suppose another way just to go back to the parents thing our garden is on our way into our service so it's very clear from its natural state and rough state that it's about the type of play that we we encourage and we um facilitates for children from our garden so it's clear from clear from the get-go that this is a place where there's fun and adventure and uh nothing or little enough plastic smooth surfaces that are um unadventurous yeah yeah it's very it's very adventurous I suppose just is there anything, you know, somebody is thinking, you know, listening to this podcast and kind of saying this sounds great. But what would you say to encourage them? What would you encourage for them to try as a first step? If they have um, their own children or nieces and nephews or friends, kids that they could maybe experience it with first, maybe in a really small group outside of the work environment. Because I think the 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 earlier sector has gone through um, quite a change over the last 10, 15 years. But we definitely went through a period where we were very risk-focused to, to an extreme point. Um, so I think if you can experience it within a small group outside of the uh, work environment, if you're really nervous about it first and see how the children engage in it and see how the risks aren't as big as people think they are. Um, so if you can experience that and then introduce it smallly, maybe do a construction theme, you know, for a week or two weeks and bring in a, one tool, maybe just a screwdriver and a, and uh, some screws and let them screw them into the wood and then expand on it with your own, where your own comfort is, because it's essential that the adult is confident because otherwise you are um, losing the whole point of you trusting those children and letting them be competent learners. That's, uh, you know, I think starting with yourself rather than opening the tools with the children day one and saying, oh, what have we here is potentially a recipe for disaster that having trusting yourself with with the tools and seeing even Nikki made the point of, you know, run us all over your finger and see how little damage it does rather than how much damage it does. Or even if you're really apprehensive about it, the golf tees with a pumpkin or something like that is, um, you know, a, a, a safer in inverted commas, 
starting point. Well, unless the- something under the nails, <laughs> there's no damage going to be done to them. Um, and like our children now bang them into the wood um, and then they bang them back out from upside down. They love oh. to lock, bang them back out. And then they use the edge of the hammer to pull them out. Then they've learned all of those all skills. Of those skills. Great. And I love, you know, I think uh, uh, I wrote it down, a line that you you used at the start about the benefit of being outdoors is that every child is able to play the way they want to play outside. I think that's a, a great motto. Thanks for sharing your experiences with us. It's been it's been great to hear about your, I mean, your enthusiasm is infectious. I'd love to see your Nina sometime. A falter out anger. <laughs> for sharing uh, that inspiration and, and ideas. It's it's great. So thank you for listening to this episode of Early Childhood Ireland's podcast, which is proudly supported by Arifus Insurance. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and spread the word to your friends and colleagues and stay tuned for our next episode. 